0: Welcome back to another episode of the Heather Namaste podcast. I'm so grateful to be here with you. I know the past year has been a little bit inconsistent when it comes to recording episodes for you guys. And honestly, for that, I do apologize. I am working on a planning session for 2022, so hopefully there will be more. Wonderful episodes for you to listen to, more cosmic forecasts, more meditations, and more conversations about yoga. And to start 2022 off right, i wanted to chat about something that has been near and dear to my heart for several years basically since i started my yoga practice my my yoga journey back in 2004 and today i want to talk about the eight limbs of yoga And so without further ado, welcome back to the Heather Namaste podcast. I'm your host, Heather Alexander, and I'm very excited to be chatting about our topic of the day, and that is the eight limbs of yoga. Now, what are the eight limbs of yoga? So the eight limbs of yoga, as given to us by Patanjali, are... Guidelines are this moral compass that helps us to live a life that's in accordance with our highest good, with our purpose, and really helps us to gain a deeper connection with the divine. And I think that is so amazing because we use this philosophy, this practice, these guidelines as we navigate through yoga. And this helps us to reach our like divine potential, our highest selves, right? And to connect with the divine. And I think that that's really incredible, you know? And yoga, you know, for so many people, yoga actually is a religion. This is a path to enlightenment. This is not for the faint of heart. This is not for the weekend yogi necessarily. You know, this is for someone who's very devoted to the path of the yogic life and this is something that i have really devoted myself to wholeheartedly for the past several years but i feel like this past year that we've been in you know the pandemic and or i guess it's been 2 years now <laughs> the past 2 years that we've been in this pandemic situation where life is you know at home we're with ourselves with our thoughts with our lives and it's easy to fall off the train when you're just kind of like in the midst of just all of this chaos. But I've found that diving deep into the eight limbs of yoga, diving deep into my yoga practice, has been really helpful for me, you know, the past couple of years. Not only in helping me get back into physical shape, of course, because yoga definitely does that, But also, too, to help balance out mind, body, spirit, right? Because I felt like for so long I was living in my head. And of course, yeah, I was doing the asana practice from time to time, but it wasn't like this consistent every day I'm doing my asana, you know? It was like, okay, every other day or every three days or sometimes maybe even like once a week I would get on the mat. And like I said, it's just... Doing this practice for the last couple of years, doing the dedicated everyday yoga, doing the dedicated prayers and devotion and meditation and really research into understanding the sutras and understanding really the people that came before us and their journey and all of this wonderful stuff, really just learning about it has been so I mean, there's so many words to describe it. Grounding, enlightening, has been inspiring, motivating. (laughs) It's really incredible. So that's why I really wanted to share this information with you because I feel like so many people enter into the yogic life by finding the asana first. I mean, that's how I found yoga that's how I found the eight limbs of yoga that's how I found yoga lifestyle was by finding back in 2004 I had found a it was a yoga dvd by baron baptiste and I still have the dvd it was called or it is called abs back and bliss and it was amazing there was this awesome upbeat music to the class there was this connection to the breath as we moved through this kind of rigorous vinyasa and I was amazed. The very first time I did the class, I was like, holy wow, let me do more of that. Like, let me do this tomorrow, you know, and I did. I did it like, I don't know, every day that week, I think. And I was so thirsty for more. And I eventually found a yoga studio and started interning there, which was really cool. But, you know, it was the asana, you know, the asana drew me in first. And it's funny because, according to Patanjali's Eight Limbs of Yoga, that is actually the third limb of yoga, right? So when we think about this eight limbs of yoga, we want to think about this like as a tree, right? So this big giant tree, which is the the philosophy of yoga, the guidelines to the yogic lifestyle, to reaching your highest self in the divine. And so you've got these eight branches that really support this... Ideology, this way of thinking, this this way of life that so many of us are on, this path. And so when it comes to the eight limbs of yoga, obviously we have eight limbs, but the first two limbs of yoga, Yama, the first limb, and Niyama, the second limb, actually have five little branches that kind of branch out and describe a little bit more about what those two limbs mean. So let's dive in. So yama, the first limb of yoga, are really like the moral codes of yoga. They're the social restraints. And so within the yama, you have five little branches. And those little branches describe the social restraints or these moral codes that we live by as yogis. And the first little branch is ahimsa, which is nonviolence. And I think a lot of people think of nonviolence like non-killing, non-murdering, that sort of thing, which of course, absolutely, but it also can be very, very much more subtle than that, right? So non-harming thoughts, non-harming thoughts about others, about ourselves, and that really comes down to, I mean, if you boil it down to the most simplest terms, I feel like ahimsa can really also relate to understanding the way that we talk to ourselves, those self-defeating thoughts, those loathing thoughts that we have for ourselves sometimes, you know, that can also be considered something that would be violent. And so when we practice ahimsa, we're practicing the filtering or the understanding or the awareness of our thoughts so that we can kind of weed those thoughts out. And then we have satya, which is truthfulness, right? We want to always be telling the truth. We don't want to lie, right? You don't want to be brutally honest where it comes off as kind of hateful or rude or, you know, too blunt necessarily, but you do want to speak honesty. Then we have asteya, and that means non-stealing, right? I feel like This is really important when it comes to living in our world these days, because especially as we move into more of a digital space, you know, when now we have the whole metaverse situation, it's really important to make sure that even intellectual property, right, intellectual ideas Different things like that, as we move further into this digital space, these kind of concepts and ideas can be easily absorbed by others. And it can be easy to feel some type of way when it comes to, oh, wow, somebody else took my idea when it came to this program that I wanted to do. And now I can't do it because they're doing it. Right. So you want to be, you want to be mindful of those things, right? You can take inspiration from other people, but it's really important to just, you know, obviously you don't want to take their whole full ideas. And so that's just like one example when it comes to asteya or non-stealing. So then we have brahmacharya. And brahmacharya is like abstinence. A lot of times people think of it as like setting these boundaries for yourself. But I think it can also be Looked at in a way of what would Jesus do or what would the divine do, right? So, this can be looked at as embodying divine nature. So, what does that mean? If we are embodying brahmacharya, we are working towards embodying divine nature. So, we want to talk about or we want to think about, you know, what would the divine do in this situation? And so most of the time, if not all the time, the divine would not, you know, do harm to other people, obviously, would not steal other people's things, would not speak ill words to other people, would not, you know, downright be hateful or would not act in a lewd way, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, would not submit themselves to... I don't know, becoming like obscenely intoxicated or something along those lines. It's really about maintaining that divine type of like purity when it comes to, you know, thoughts, actions, words. And I think that brahmacharya is something that we can all really work towards and practice at because I feel like it's not easy, you know? But again, we're only at the first limb of yoga, right? And this is not even the fifth tiny little branch. So let's let's continue on because I feel like the more we dive into the eight limbs of yoga, the more tools we will experience and be able to understand to help us reach that kind of state of being. So the last little branch when it comes to the yamas is aparigraha. And aparigraha can be like non-hoarding or really kind of letting go of attachment, right? And so you don't want to just be like hoarding all of these things or it makes me kind of think of when the pandemic first started and everybody was hoarding all of the toilet paper. Yeah, so that was a perfect example of the opposite of a parigraha. So we want to be non-hoarding, right? Non like letting go of all of these attachments. So, that is the five yamas. And those are our moral codes, our kind of social restraints, like ethical observations that we would live by to, you know, help us live in accordance with. And I feel like this is more so like living in accordance with earthly law. So, I think that that's really interesting. So, then we start to move on to the niyamas. And same with the yamas. The niyamas have five tiny little branches that give us more information about what it means to embrace the niyamas okay and so the niyamas mean self-disciplines or like spiritual observances and so when it comes to the niyamas we have like i said five different little branches the first little branch of the niyamas is saucha and saucha means cleanliness And so that can really mean like obviously your physical cleanliness, cleanliness of your physical space, like your home space, maybe even your car, the possessions that you own. You want to make sure that those items are clean, they're well taken care of. And this can also be like a, not only like a physical cleanliness, but also spiritual cleanliness, right? You want to cleanse your space. You might want to like cleanse the energy of the space with sage or crystals or salt, But also, too, you want to make sure that your thoughts are cleansed. And, you know, that really comes down to awareness of the things that we're thinking, right? We mentioned earlier when we spoke about brahmacharya, when it comes to embodying the divine nature, right? And so when we express that cleanliness, when we practice that, we're also cleansing mind-body-spirit, So we're also cleansing the things that we're thinking about in our mind. Ahimsa is another thing that comes up when I think of cleanliness, when it comes to cleanliness of the mind, because again, we're monitoring our thoughts to ensure that all of our thoughts are peaceful, harmonious, and that we're not expressing violence towards ourselves or anything else, even within our own thoughts. The next little branch of the niyamas is samtosha which is contentment and when it comes to samtosha we can really think about being content with the things that we have with the body that we're in with the abilities that we have And I think that that's really important to remember, especially when it comes to our yoga practice, especially when it comes to the digital sphere and our yoga practice online and relating to other people and then also to eventually comparing ourselves with other people and other people's skills and abilities. And so being content with yourself or expressing some Tosha with yourself really helps us to be able to be okay with where we are in this moment. If you've been practicing the asana for any amount of time in a consistent basis, you know within yourself that yoga is this beautiful practice that helps you to start where you are. And the more you practice, the more consistent you are with that the more you progress. So the practice that you had in the beginning is not the same practice that you've had after, you know, 365 days of consistent practice. It's completely different. You've grown in a way that has expanded your physical prowess and most likely as well, your mental and spiritual prowess as well. And so being content with where you are in each moment of each second of the day is really what it means to be in Samtosha. And I think that it also can come down to being grateful for where you are in that moment, for the things that you have in this moment, for the roof over your head, for the car that you drive, for the food in your belly, for the job that you have. The next little branch that is part of the Niyamas is Tapas. And Tapas is And really refers to heat but more specifically the heat that is built by yoga fire so we talked about dedication to practice with the semtosha we talked about how the more that you are dedicated to your physical practice the more you're going to be seeing this progression within your practice now when you're building the heat from your yoga practice A lot of people say that it's essentially burning off karmic ties or karmic energy. It's burning off bits of your old self. It's essentially purifying body-mind-spirit-soul connection. And so that's why practicing is so important. The asana practice, the dedication to stepping onto your mat every day is so important because by building that fire every day, you start to crave that you start to crave that physical movement, that clearing of your mind as you flow from one pose to the next, sinking each movement with your breath. And think about it. If you're doing a consistent practice, maybe five to six days a week, and you skip a day or maybe two, how does your body feel? Probably icky, sticky, like you need to wring out some kinks, right? Yes. And so that's what we talk about when it comes to tapas. By creating that heat within our body, within that consistent yoga practice, we're able to consistently improve, consistently crave that, and continue on with basically climbing the ladder of understanding, of enlightenment. The next little branch that we have as part of the niyamas is svariyaya which is the study of sacred texts and also the study of one's self. So this is where we start to incorporate the philosophy of yoga. We start to really dive into the yoga sutras. We start to dive into the lives and understanding of the ones who come before us. But also too, this can really relate to the study of ourselves understanding ourselves being aware of everything that we are doing and when i say everything i mean everything the thoughts we're thinking the words we are speaking the actions we are taking these are the things that we need to be aware of be mindful of this is essentially studying yourself to understand who am i how am i changing how is this practice of yoga changing me who was I yesterday? And how has that changed today? It's really taking the time to dive into what are my ideals? What are my values? What do I believe in? And who am I? <laughs> the last little branch when it comes to the niyamas is Isvara Pranidhana. Isvara Pranidhana, which is the surrender to something greater than yourself surrender to the divine to god to source energy and i think that this is such an important step when it comes to the understanding the philosophy of yoga understanding the eight limbs of yoga because again this is where this is when it really slaps you in the face with the understanding that this is a spiritual practice we are communing with the divine we are preparing our body mind spirit soul for divine connection all of these things that we've talked about so far are to help us to live a proper life and to cleanse our spiritual path cleanse our spiritual practices so that we can prepare ourselves and then we continue to prepare ourselves as we move on to the next limb of yoga which is asana and when we talk about asana most people know what that means it's the yoga postures the yoga shapes the cool things that we can do with our bodies. But as we're learning here, the asana is just one small part of this grand divine philosophy. The next limb of yoga is pranayama, and that is controlling the breath. It's about connecting to our breath. It's about remembering our breath. It's about understanding that our breath is what gives us life. So many things within the body can be controlled by just our breath. Have you ever noticed that when you feel anxiety or stress or nervousness, that if you take slow, deep breaths, that all of those anxiety feelings start to kind of slow down. They start to kind of melt away. You start to become a little bit more grounded, a little bit more clear. And, and vice versa. There is a breathwork technique that should only be done under supervision for sure, but there's a breathwork technique that incorporates a type of breathing that stimulates a response within the body that churns up not only the fight or flight response, but the trauma that triggered that response. And so through this breathwork technique, it helps you to churn up those things that are kind of stuck within us, deep within our bodies and, and mental spheres. This breathing technique helps churn up those traumas, those difficult things that we dealt with, to release with the breath. And that's pretty incredible. As we continue on, the fifth limb of the eight limbs of yoga is Pratyahara. And pratyahara is the withdrawal of the senses or sensory transcendence. And what's cool about this is that you've probably experienced this in your yoga practice before. It's the moment at which you are fully encompassed in the zone. It's the yoga flow state in which you are completely encompassed in the moment, enthralled in that very second. You can't hear anything else around you. You can't see anything else around you. There are no other thoughts floating. You are just simply in the moment, flowing from one asana to the next with your breath. And this kind of sensory withdrawal can also be achieved by a meditation or even through a yoga nidra class. If you've ever taken yoga nidra, it's like a yoga meditation very very incredible class if you can get into one i would highly suggest that if you're having trouble meditating yoga nidra is the next very best option the sixth limb of yoga is dharana and dharana is concentration or like single point mindedness A lot of people say that dharana is like, this is where the meditation actually starts to begin because it can be really difficult to get into a meditative state when it's hard to focus the mind or to even withdraw those senses as we learned from the fifth limb of yoga or pratyahara. But when we start to meditate, this is when we can really start to gain some stillness and really start to become in touch with our highest selves. There's these fleeting moments of stillness that start to become a little bit longer each time you practice. And this is like a seed, the seed of stillness. The seventh limb of yoga is dhyana and this is when your meditation becomes stronger like this is when you start to become into the state of like zen mindfulness things start to roll off your back like water off a duck's back and the moments of meditation those still moments start to become increasingly longer and this is when you start to touch the surface or touch the tip of what samadhi means and so with that we have our eighth limb of yoga samadhi and samadhi is like vibrating on the highest level of your being whatever it is at that particular moment you become one with universal energy there is no duality now there are different types or different stages of samadhi And each person is unique and will experience this in their own way. So when you try to talk about, oh, this was my enlightenment experience, it might not be the same as someone else's enlightenment experience. So definitely keep that in mind. So that is the eight limbs of yoga. And this is really a philosophy that's basically moving us towards our highest selves, moving us towards enlightenment this practice helps us to vibrate on a higher frequency not only in our minds but in our bodies and in our spirits as well yoga means union we achieve this union by noticing sensation noticing what is happening in our bodies and minds so it bridges the mind-body connection and with practice and dedication perseverance and devotion We can use this philosophy to help us reach our highest selves and reach the divine. I hope this breakdown of the eight limbs of yoga and the yogic philosophy helps you not only in your practice, but in your daily life. I feel like as yogis, it's so important for us to know at least the eight limbs of yoga, if not more to help you gain a well-rounded understanding of the divine practice that you're doing day in and day out. It's not just these fancy poses. It's so much more than that. And I hope that this little talk gave you some much needed insight into the yogic lifestyle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm so grateful that you took this time to spend with me to dive into yogic philosophy and the eight limbs of yoga to understand this divine practice that much deeper. I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day. Namaste.